Hey there, welcome to the Agents of Revival podcast. If you're ready to be healed and take full accountability of your life by evolving into your best self, then this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Andrea Griffin Rogers, and I'll share with you winning steps as well as personal tips and anecdotes on how to go from brokenness to wholeness and from scattered pieces to inner peace. So come on in and join me on this healing journey and let's become whole together. Enjoy it. Hey, 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 what's up, guys? How are you today? I pray all is well. This message stirs your faith, falls on good ground, and does what y'all produces good fruit in your lives. Kudos for those that are right. Today, we're going to talk about back end management. Back end management. And this is kind of like piggybacking off of yesterday's message. So, if you missed yesterday's message where I talked about, um, where I talked about hallway to destiny. I don't know why something just started to itch me <laughs> on my leg. But when I talked about um, hallway to destiny, then go take a listen to that because it's kind of like part two. And so um, I'm going to leave the prayer at the end. Uh, but right now I wanted to jump back into the message because um, what I was talking about yesterday was like all of us have a a all of us have a predestined hallway to destiny that we all must enter into if we're willing to see the door of opportunity that God has in store for us. But today we're going to talk about what you had, what you have to do a little bit more, what you have to do before you get through that door of opportunity, because there's some things on the back end that need to be taken care of. And it's not going to be taken care of, a little later when you get through the door opportunity. No, because again, you'll get through it and then drop the ball. And so it's about taking care of it today. And so, like I said, one of the things that God's been teaching me right now, uh, yesterday, I said this yesterday is, um, pace, pace, consistency, steadiness, Basically, slow and steady wins the race. And that is something that um, is really hard for me. I remember one time uh, one of my mother's friends called me a worker bee. And and they were like, you just like your mom, like a worker bee. And, and yeah, like uh, it, it's very hard for me to or it was actually I've gotten better at it, but it was very hard for me to just like sit down and not do something. Um. And I realized that that's something that's generational because I look at my grandmother, who my maternal grandmother, who's still alive. And she's the same way as my mother, her daughter. Like, so, th so therefore it's generational. Like when I think about my great grandmother, which was my grandmother's mother, um, uh, before she passed away, she was the same way. Like even up in, into her, her old age, like never sit down, always doing something, always being busybody, always, always, always like, can you just sit for a moment and rest? And for them, a moment, a moment was a millisecond. <laughs> like, that's about all you're going to get is a millisecond. And then that's it. I got to get back up and do something. Why? Because they come from a society, a culture, a generation that then got passed down to my generation of the moment you sit down, you're lazy. The moment you sit down, the moment you just stop to rest your, yourself, the rest your feet to take a breath. 
to you're lazy. Don't don't even take too long to eat your food. You need to be quick about it. Because otherwise you're being lazy. And this is bad. This is bad theology. It's bad teaching across the board. Because God never created us to not have rest. He showed us this principle when he created the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 1. That at the end of all of creation, he rested on the seventh day. But before we even get to the seventh day, every single day he created, he did little by little. He's God. Now, why couldn't God have created everything in one day? Because he wanted to model for us how to have balance, how to do the work that matters for that day, and then how to rest. And we see that. Every single day in Genesis starts with, uh, you know, God created this and then he created that. And then he looked at it and said it was good. And then that was the end. That was the end of that day. That doesn't mean that the, the, the time of 24 hours was over. It just meant that God said, I've done the work that I've meant to do this day and I'm going to rest. And then I'll get back up tomorrow, basically, and do the next level of work that needs to be done. It's all about intentionality and discipline to embody balance in your life. What is important right now to do? And I know people want to say, well, no, everything on my list of 15 to 20 items is important to do today. No, it's not. If you really look at that list, there are some things that have a, a, pre, a prerequisite of a deadline for that day. That's the top priorities to do that day. There are some things that you can put off for another day. And I know, I know, I know the world teaches you that why put something off when you can get it done today? Because God says, I'm, I am a God of rest. I'm a God of balance. That's why he says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens or who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. For I am gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. The burden I give you is light. It's the understanding of an exchange has to happen. The way you've been doing things versus the way God been doing things. And so when you think about the hallway to destiny and your door opportunity, God has it for you. But he says there's some work on the back end that you got to do. There's some there's some maintenance you got to manage right here before you get to that door, because you'll get to that door thinking that you got to operate and move and shake and shift and and work in the same capacity that you did to get here. And you'll drop the ball. You'll mess it up or you'll burn yourself out. And God doesn't want that. Remember, I told you guys yesterday, the scripture, um, uh, uh, second Peter chapter three, verse eight through nine. Um, but you must not forget one thing, dear friends, that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Like I said yesterday, part of repentance is to turn away from something. It doesn't necessarily be bad. It just means that even though it was good in one season, it's now going to be bad in the next season. You cannot take in the same mentality that you took 
through the tunnel of transformation, you can't take that into the hallway of destiny. And the same pace that you walk to the hallway of destiny is not going to be what you're going to take into the door of opportunity. Because every level requires a different version of you. It requires you to show up differently than you showed up on a previous level. And so that means that you got to get new strategy for how God wants you to show up here. Because if you take, let's, let's, let's make this um, a practical example for you. If you take the same way you learned from, um, from kindergarten to eighth grade and you apply that to a college level course, you're going to fail. First of all, the text is more advanced. Because they're expecting that people that get to the college level have went through the process of the years of the 12 years needed to go from from uh, kindergarten to first grade to 12th grade. So 12 slash 13 years. They're, they're expecting that you went through this process so that by the time you get to college, you're able to handle more advanced things. But you will never see a kindergartner in college. Because you're not advanced yet, you haven't leveled up yet, you haven't learned some things yet, you haven't done things on the back end yet to manage at this level. And so you have to understand what God is saying to you today spiritually. He has the promised land for you. He would have never put it in your sight. He would have in your vision. Rather, he would have never given you the um, desire in your heart. He would have never given you the dream, the plan. The goal to move towards if he didn't have it in store for you. But he doesn't want you to destroy it. He doesn't want you to perish in the process or for it to crush you. Because of the weight of it. So there's some management you got to do on the back end. Part of that management is get a new strategy. On how God wants to shift your perspective to who you need to become in this new season. At this new level. I've been learning that in my life as I shared with you yesterday. So I'm not going to go into too many details, but um, there's a different way I've had to show up in this season as I prepare uh, for where God is taking me or rather as God's preparing me <laughs> for where he's taking me because the way I once worked is not going to be the same work ethic in this season, especially for the people that he has connected to my name. He's shown me, he's spoken to me, and I'm not going to go into too many details about that because it's not time. But he's shown me some of the people that I am meant to connect with, to do business with, basically. But they need to learn what I have. But they can't learn what I have if I'm not operating in it. You're a bad teacher if you're not practicing what you preach or what you teach. And so I can't go into these rooms, this door opportunity that God has for me, preaching or teaching in a sense, showing up with all that God put in me into this room that he prepared for me. And I'm not walking and talking it or rather I'm talking it, but I'm not walking it. They can't see the fruit. That's bad business. Anybody trying to do business with you? If you not the, the packaging. Why would I want to buy from you if you're not even consuming your own product? That's bad business. That's why every successful business person in some capacity has uh, consumed or used their product. 
Otherwise, they would not be selling it to you. They were their first client before you were the client to come to them. They worked on their craft first with them by themselves or with other people around them before they got to to you or the next level because why, why would I, why would I, why would I be, excuse me, promoting to you that I am a cosmetologist, for example, and I ain't worked on nobody's hair before <laughs> you see me walk in and, and even my hair mess and you like, well, doggone it. You ain't want to do my hair. Not looking like that. Uh-uh. So I am the walking billboard. I got to do my own hair first as this, for this example, I got to do my own hair first to show that, okay, you, you, your hair not only looks good, but it also looks healthy Mm -hmm. because it's part of cosmetology. You can't be trying to do my hair and you don't know about hair maintenance and hair texture. Cause you're going to slather something in my hair that may make my hair fall out. You may do a cut for my fellas out there. You may do a cut that may cut too deep and I start bleeding. And now I need stitches. You got to know what you're doing. But the first billboard I'm looking at is you. Are you practicing what you're preaching? So that's why there's a work that has to be done on the back end. There's a development. Even in the hallway to destiny. There's a development. Before you get to your door opportunity. Because God says there's a little bit more that I have to develop in you. In order to, um, to shine you up basically. Like you've been purified through the fire of tests. And trials. You went through the tunnel transformation, which purified you. But now I gotta shine you up so that you can sparkle bright when you walk into this room, when you open this door opportunity, or rather when you walk through the door because God already opened it for you. Because Jesus is the door, as we learn about in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. So he says, Let me shine you up a little bit more. There's some refining now. You went through the purifying process, but then there's a, there's a little more refining, there's some little decorating, some little tweaks that we got to do on the back end. There's some management tactics and strategies that got to be done on this back end so that when you get there, you'll be more than prepared, more than ready to step into that room, to step into that role, because I've helped you to become who you need to be when you get there. And understand that when you get there, you don't stop developing. David did not stop developing when he became king. We even see before he became king um, in, in 1 Samuel 16, after 1 Samuel 15, where, as I talked about yesterday, where the Lord rejected Saul. We see that when David became king in the next chapter, he didn't immediately go to the palace. Why? Because there was somebody already there. Now, granted, there may be somebody occupying your uh, whatever your door is right now, whatever you're hoping to, to land or to get or whatever, there may be somebody at the top right now, but they can't stay because the seat is yours. God already put your name on it. And so God has to shift them out. But as he's shifting them out of the position, he has to make sure you do the management on your part on the back end so that you don't drop the ball when you get there. And so David had to go back into the field to tend to the sheep. Because a, a few more things he had to learn in the sheep, uh, in, in the in the field with the sheep. And then there's a few more things he had to learn about servanthood. There's a few more things he had to learn um, when he went out onto the field in, in um, 1 Samuel 17. And he saw that they were at war. 
This is when he encounters King Saul and, and the army about to uh, battle Goliath, or they were rather afraid to battle Goliath. He was not a man of war in the same construct that they were men of war. So he had to learn a few things. He wasn't ready for the, the throne yet to lead these warriors as their king. So he had to learn the tactics and strategies and mentalities of the soldiers on the battlefield. And I would love to tell you that that's the only uh, test that he had to go through. No. Because in the hallway to destiny, actually before you get to the hallway to destiny, he's still going through the tunnel transformation. Because he once was a shepherd. You got anointed as the king, but even though you were anointed, you weren't appointed yet. And that's a word for another day. But even though you were anointed, you weren't appointed yet. And so he had to go through the tunnel transformation to um, basically strip off the old mentality of just looking at himself as a shepherd and realize that God has called him as a king. He's known to him as a king. And so as he went through the tunnel transformation, he had to unlearn some things and learn some new things. Part of it was, part of it <laughs> was he had to learn how to duck. <laughs> because Saul kept trying to kill him every chance he can get. You know, after this is in first Samuel 18, after um or rather it's when it starts, after Saul is rejected by the Lord and then sees the, the next king David uh you know receive the victory applause from the people. Um after he killed Goliath, oh Saul was jealous. It says the Lord sent the tormenting spirit to him. So he was jealous. So he kept trying to kill David every chance he could get. He kept trying to throw daggers and whatever he could David's way. So David had to learn how to duck. <laughs> he had to learn how to run. He had to learn strategy. He had to learn um, how to show up and have tactical advantages. Because he never knew where Saul was lurking or where Saul's men were lurking to try and kill him. So he had to learn the battlegrounds. And how to fight on this new turf. Because he only, only knew how to fight a certain way before Goliath. Which was how to fight lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. <laughs> you know. Had to learn how to fight a different way. Because you're not fighting animals no more. Now you're fighting men. That means they have a, a mind of their own. And so he had to you know, learn how to maneuver in the field basically. But when he got through the tunnel transformation, when we get all the way to almost the end, um, or rather towards the end of his journey, um, you know, he he is still on the run from Samuel. But he has to pass a few more tests. And it's in this these few more tests, rather, where he's about to come out the tunnel transformation. He finds himself in a cave. And it's a decision that he has to make. This man, this King Saul, who I'm replacing, who has been chasing me all over the land, who's been trying to kill me. Do I take his life like my homeboys, like my soldiers want me to do? Because David and his soldiers was in the cave. I'll get to that in a minute. So he said, do I take his life like they want me to do? Or do I spare his life? Basically, do I operate in integrity or do I ru rush for the plunder? 
That was a test that God gave him because I talked about yesterday. Um, Saul had the same test in first Samuel 15 and he failed it. He chose to not kill the king and he chose to run after the plunder instead. Now the king was, was an enemy uh, of another, um, uh, of a pagan tribe. But in this case, Saul is still God's chosen one. Or rather God's uh, appointed one, even though David is the chosen one. And so he has a decision to make. Do I kill this king who's trying to kill me? Who is still, who was still appointed by God to be the king. Now I'm a king, though I'm not uh, in the uh, a seated point yet. Um, the, the appointed seat yet, excuse me. But do I go ahead and kill this king or not? And David, unlike what Saul did, decided not to listen to his peoples. While the men were saying in 1 Samuel 24, verse 4, now's your opportunity. Today, the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do it as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. This is basically the Holy Spirit started to bother him to say, don't you dare. Don't, don't even go any further. You tore his robe. That's enough. Don't you dare go any further. Because if you go back to first Samuel 15, God had already done the work for David. David didn't need to do that because God had already through Samuel told Saul, the kingdom has been torn from you. You will die as the last king of your house. You're the first and the last king of your house. I've appointed somebody else, which was David to take the throne. So basically all David had to do was just wait for Saul, for, um, Saul to die. He didn't need to even go into the battle. So this is another reason why when you're in the hallway of destiny that you have to unlearn what you learned up to that point. And learn some new tactics and strategies. Because you'll go in thinking you got to fight the way you once did. And God is saying no. I've already given you the door. I've already given you the opportunity. You don't have to fight no more. Just stand still. And see the salvation of me your Lord. I've already given you the victory. You coming in guns blazing. And this ain't that season. This ain't that time. Slow your roll homie. And so David realized. This ain't right. And so he says these words to um to uh, King Saul in verse 9. Why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said I would never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As that old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds. So you can be sure I will never harm you. Who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? Should he spend his time chasing one who is as worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate and he will rescue me from your power.
David passed the test because he chose to operate in integrity. He chose to heed the wisdom of the advocate, the Holy Spirit in this moment that was saying to him, that was his conscience saying to him, don't do it. Just stand still and see the victory. See the salvation that God has for you. You already have the throne. You already have the crown. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of you getting through the hallway to destiny. Don't do it. You so close. I know you feel like you can reach out and touch it. You, you, some of you out there are just like me. You, you like you feel it in your spirit that this is your time. This is your season. It is so close. But God is saying you got to pass some tests. There's some back end management to do. I'm going to cause you to encounter some people who may have come against you. Some people who may have talked about you. Some people who may have abandoned you in your tunnel transformation. Some people who may have been trying to kill you or destroy your name sake and in your tunnel transformation. But as you're going through the whole way of destiny, you have a choice to make. Do you be rebellious or do you be obedient to what God is saying? Rebellion is to say, well, I'm going to go get them. Yeah, they, they try to do this to me. Let me stunt on them or let me tell them about themselves or let me know. Or will you be obedient to God that's saying, forgive. Forgive them for they know not what they did. Even if they say that they do, they didn't know who you was. They didn't know what I placed on the inside of you. They didn't know your purpose or your value. Forgive them and move on. Choose integrity. Hear ye, hear ye, my brothers and my sisters out there. Choose integrity. Choose to follow the command of the Lord's voice. Don't worry about paying people back who were evil to you. Don't worry about paying people back or tarnishing somebody else's name because they did the same thing to you. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about even trying to stop or stunt on somebody who took the opportunity from you in one season or you felt like that because God said they didn't take anything from you. Because what I have for you has your name on it and nobody else can occupy it. And even if somebody like Saul is sitting in a position, they got to get up when I say it's your time. So don't worry about it. You got to choose this day whom you will serve. Serve the Lord wholeheartedly in obedience and not rebellion. And so because Saul, um, excuse me, because David passed this test with Saul. He gets through to the tunnel, um, excuse me, he gets through the tunnel of transformation and then gets into the hall of destiny. But now in the hall of destiny, after he fought one of his last battles, which was in Ziklag, this is in, um, first Samuel chapter, uh, 30, the same army, actually, he, he fought the same army that King Saul was supposed to defeat. David had to wind up defeating them. It was Saul's job. But remember I said yesterday in 1 Samuel 15, Saul didn't do it. So David had to do it. But it's now that he's at the end of the tunnel transformation and he's walking into the hallway to destiny. He realizes, okay, how do I show up now in this season? Even in his last battle, he asked God, what's the strategy? How, how do you want me to handle this, God? And God told him the strategy. And then after he won the victory of, of the, the battle, God says, now here's what you do. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 1, we see that David finds out about Saul's death. 
now he's in this hallway to destiny. He sees the door opportunity in front of him because he's right there at the door. The door was that Saul the king died. It is now officially David's time to be appointed king. But there's a decision to make. Will you be obedient as you walk through this door? Or will you be rebellious once again? And what I mean by rebe not rebellious once again, but will you be rebellious? Will you choose to fight in the way you once fought? Or will you go about in a different strategy? Will you choose to tarnish Saul's name to dance on his grave, to go spit on his grave, to to um, go boasting or, or talking about how bad he was because of all the times he tried to kill you? Will you try to shade and shame him because of how he treated you in your season when you weren't king? Or as you're about to walk into this door of opportunity, will you walk through it with integrity, holding on to your integrity and handling it the right way? Choosing forgiveness and grace and honor in the way you handle Saul. And as we're going to see in this text, David chose honor. He chose grace. He chose integrity. He maintained his position. And then God gave him the, gave him the crown. It says, um, let's start at the first verse, 2 Samuel chapter 1. After the death of Saul, David returned from his victory over the Amalekites and spent two days in Ziklag. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's army camp. He had torn his clothes and put dirt on his head to show that he was in mourning. He fell to the ground before David in deep respect. Where have you come from? David asked. I escaped from the Israelite camp, the man replied. What happened? David demanded. Tell me how the battle went. The man replied, our entire army fled from the battle. Many of the men are dead and Saul and his son, Jonathan, are also dead. How do you know King Saul and Jonathan are dead? Jonathan is Saul's son. So basically, how do you know King Saul and Prince Jonathan are dead? David demanded of the young man. The young man answered, I happened to be on Mount Geboa. And there was Saul leaning on his spear with the enemy chariots and charioteers closing in on him. When he turned and saw me, he cried out for me to come to him. How can I help? I asked him. He responded, who are you? I told him I'm an Amalekite. Then he begged me, come over here and put me out of my misery, for I am in terrible pain and want to die. So I killed him, the Malachite told David, for I knew he couldn't live. Then I took his crown and his armband, and I have brought them here to you, my lord. David and his men tore their clothes in sorrow when they heard the news. They mourned and wept and fasted all day for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the Lord's army and the nation of Israel, because they had died by the sword that day. Then David said to the young man who had brought the news, where are you from? And he replied, I'm a foreigner and a Melchite who lives in your land. Why were you not afraid to kill the Lord's anointed one? David asked. Then David said to the one of, then David said to one of his men, kill him. So the man thrust his sword into the Melchite and killed him. You have condemned yourself, David said, for you yourself confessed that you killed the Lord's anointed one. Then David composed a funeral song for Saul and Jonathan, and he commanded that it be taught to the people of Judah. It is known as the Song of the Bow, and it is recorded in the book of Jashar. I'm going to stop right here. You can read the rest of the song on your own. But what we see here is David chose, again, honor. 
he, to honor Saul. He chose to, um, to, um, give respect in the way that, that he died in, in his name sake. And he chose integrity. He chose to say, even though this person killed me, you think the, the Melchite, you think I'm going to applaud you because of all the times Saul tried to kill me. And because it's known that I'm meant to be the next king. No, you're not going to get grace from me because that's not the way it was supposed to happen. What, what, what made you think that that was okay? That you saw this man suffering and you decided to kill him and take his crown. And so then we see that David also identified the right strategy in the whole way to destiny. That though this is my fight, it's not my fight in the same way I'm used to fighting. See, through the tunnel transformation, David was the one swinging a sword every chance he can get. David was the one ready to, to, to throw them bowls, basically. David was the one that was like, let's get it. Let's go. Let's get in his boxing ring and, and knock this out. But now he understands that the season has shifted. His time has come to be king. And as a king, basically his first act is to delegate. That's the strategy he learns in the hallway of destiny. That my door opportunity is literally right here. I can touch it. But I can't go in here in the same way, throwing my sword around like I did through the tunnel transformation. My strategy show up here differently because as king, I'm not going to be able to handle every single thing with my own hands like I once did. So now I got to use my mind. And the first thing that comes from using my mind is to learn how to delegate. So let me tell one of my other soldiers to handle that. To basically deal with that enemy. That's something that I don't have to do. If you want to see, I said all that to tell you that if you want to see your door of opportunity, in order to get through the hallway of destiny, you're going to have to learn back end management. There are some things, some strategies, some tactics that you're going to have to learn in this new season for that door opportunity that God has in store for you. And there's going to be some things, some, some ways that you once knew of how to fight, of how to work, of how to show up, of how to get things done. That God is saying in this new season, it's a no. It's like Randy. You say, it's a no for me, dog. God is saying, it's a no for me, dog. Uh-uh. Not in this season. You got to learn a new tactic. And you don't have to do it by yourself. That's the beauty of being God's kingdom ambassador. We are his ambassador. So he says, I'm going to teach you how to do it. That's why I said in James uh, chapter one, verse five, ask for wisdom and I will give it to you. But when you ask for wisdom, ask wholeheartedly. Do not be wavering between him and the world. Because you'll be unsettled in everything you do. But ask God wholeheartedly for wisdom. And then as you go through the ton, um, as you go through, excuse me, the hallway to destiny, there's a pace for grace. It's a slower pace because you're meant to learn what you need in order to get through that door and in order to sustain and steward the level that that door is on. 
God's not going to rush you through. So you don't have to feel like, oh, I got to hurry up and learn it in 3.5 seconds. No. God says slow and steady wins the race. I've given you everything and I have all the equipment that you need, all the strategy that you need, all the knowledge and wisdom and understanding that you need for that door, for that assignment, for the opportunity that you want, that you've been praying for. But God says, don't go through the door without me. Let me teach you some things. Let me show you balance. Let me show you rest. You'll get through the door, but only if you're willing to be obedient to my command and my words. This is God saying, be obedient to his word and not trying to do it in your own strength. Because when you do it in your own strength, when you go about it in your own way, you're being rebellious. You're being stubborn, thinking that you got it. God is not being slow for no reason. He's being slow because he doesn't want anybody to be destroyed. He doesn't want you to be crushed by the weight of the opportunity that he has in store for you. You may think you're ready for it. But if it hasn't happened yet, it's because God's saying you're, you're, you're not yet ready. And even if you have developed um, all that you need to develop at this point, there's still some work that need to be done. And it could be that God's preparing the people who you're going to partner with or who's going to help you um, continue to um, fulfill that goal or, or that opportunity or assignment or whatever. When you get there, he's working on them. He's, he's putting them. It's, it's like a chessboard. And God's positioning them as well as, as he's positioning you. So while you can't see what's on the other side of the door, God said, that's okay. You focus on what you can see. Focus on the vision I gave you and move towards that goal. Put into practice what you're preparing and praying for right now. Start to operate just like David did. He, though he didn't go around and call himself king, but he operated in a kingly way after he fought Goliath. Because he understood that, okay, in this season, I need to shift gears and shift my mind into the reality of who God has called me to be. Even if I'm not on the throne just yet, even if the, the crown is not on my head just yet, I got to shift my perspective the right way in order to see myself the way God is seeing me. God sees us as who we're going to become, not who we are today. And so we got to ask God to help us see the us we are becoming, the us we will become and not who we are today. That's how you keep your eyes focused. And as you keep your eyes focused, as it says in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, as you keep your eyes focused on Jesus, who is giving you the vision and the grace needed to run your race with endurance, he will help you to do the back end work that you need to do. So that when you get to that door and when you get through that door, you will be able to sustain it. You'll be able to maintain it. You'll be able to steward it and manage it well. But you got to do the work through the hall of destiny first. So let me say a prayer and I'll let you guys go. Spirit of living God, we thank you for this opportunity to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Heavenly Father, please help all the leaders out there under the sound of my voice to make the necessary shift and changes they need to make to do the necessary work they need to do on the back end heavenly father so that they can get through the hallway to destiny successfully heavenly father i thank you that you have the door opportunity for us all and that you want to make sure that we don't miss it and so i thank you god that we are choosing today that we will serve you wholeheartedly that we will serve you in obedience and that we are letting you guide us i thank you god for the victory that we already won 
As Father God, get the glory, honor, and praise from our lives. Continue to give us strategy, to give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, so that we may be good stewards of all that you have assigned us to have. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take care. Love you guys. Bye now.